podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The tenth time they've made it! They've won a playoff campaign! And they've done it away with! And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Eden Road podcast where tonight we'll be going over the Everton game last week and also looking back at our cup exit at the hands of Arsenal last night. Uh, lots to get through in this show but before we get going remember if you haven't listened to the podcast before guys uh, do subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels please leave a rating and also go follow our socials that's at Elam Road Pod on Instagram and at the Elam Road on Twitter. Uh, tonight I'm joined by Elam Road regular Callum. All good mate? How we doing boys? You alright? All good, son. All good. And also tonight, delighted to be joined by Elam Road dub- debutant, I, I should say. Uh, Craig, pleasure to have you on, mate. Uh, I'm told you've got your funniest Brentford story all ready to go. Yes, mate. Yes, mate. Uh, just want to say, first of all, pleasure to be on here with you boys. Um, great honour, shall we say. So, yeah, well, I feel like my funniest story is kind of living vicariously through someone else because unfortunately I wasn't there to actually experience it. But. It was QPR away, obviously, slumming it back in the championship when we was there. And we was at one of the pubs outside Westfields, and I was one of the people plastering the Brentford stickers around Westfield and around Shepherd's Bush and things like that. And my dad's mate says, God, I'd love to see you ripping all of these Brentford stickers off of the wall because they're flying around on the floor. And a QPR fan walks up to him, rips one off of the wall next to him, says, Yeah, mate, I've ripped one off. What are you going to do about it? So he takes the sticker... And he sticks it on his forehead and just walks away. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. That's quite a good one. That's quite a good one, to be fair. That might be quite high up. (laughs) I need to get more uh, Elam Road podcast stickers made. I've been putting them around the ground since uh, since I got them made, but I need to get some more ones. I don't know if any of the listeners might have seen those, but yeah, I need to get some more of those. But no, that's a a good story, to be fair, Craig. That might be quite high up. We need to actually start ranking these because we've had a few now. And uh, we've not done anything with them. We just get new, every new guest to say something. But we definitely need to start ranking them. Listen, mine's at the top. Mine's at the top, Mike. End of. Simple what, have as you that. Fallen on your ass? It's up there. It should be in second place. That was that. <laughs> what was it? Mine was the best one at, at, at Southampton. You know, it's have a listen, everyone, if you haven't listened to it. That's the best one out of the lot. So you know, no well, competition. No competition. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Humor is subjective, Callum. That's all. That's all I'll say. Anyway, very true. Uh, very true. We'll get on. We'll get on to Evan because, like I said, there's quite a bit to get through in this in this in this episode. Um, first of all, Callum, Everton. Everton was rough. I think we can we can say that with confidence. All of the post match interviews, um, players, Thomas Frank, as well as people online, um, point to a very bad day at the office. What would you think? Yes, no, a very bad day at the office. I mean, to be honest with you. It's one of those bogey teams, uh, Everton, with us. We yeah. don't seem to pick up many uh, positive results against them, whether it's just their style of play, whether it's the manager, Sean Dyche. You know, I've seen our record against Sean Dyche. It's not a particularly very good one. Um, but I, 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 do you know what? I said before the game, I said it was going to be one of those games I actually think we would lose, not in the manner we did, but just, just simply just it's one of those teams we really struggle to play against and pick up a good result against. Uh, we're going to have these negative times across the season, but uh, I think that the most difficult part for me was a lot of the players who maybe could have could have done something, maybe didn't do as well as I thought they could have done. Uh, you know, I thought Keith Lewis Potter, I was possibly expecting a little bit more from him just simply because he's been brought in last minute 
with a with obviously an injury uh, to Kevin Sharder. Um, I expected maybe a little bit more from him, to be honest. You maybe sound harsh, but what an opportunity for him to go and prove a thing. And I don't think he did it as well as he could have. Um, but it was good to see some players like Godos get on the pitch. Uh, Olive Keep Bay as well, getting on as well. But obviously there's a lot of talk about the atmosphere after the game with a lot of booing as well. So it was a lot of negatives from the game on, on Saturday. But hopefully we can you know, go and do something on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, we'll get on to Lewis Potter because I've, I've done a whole section on transfers because there's a lot of talk online about it. But we'll get, we'll get into that a bit later. Craig, um, as Callum just touched upon, I, I did I did think before the game it is one of those banana skin games with Everton being so bad this season and us just coming off the back of a potentially, you could view it as bad result against Newcastle, but it just it would be so Brentford to go and lose against a team that haven't won all season. And like Callum said, they are a bit of a bogey team. What What went wrong? I, th- I think it would probably be easier to list the things about that went right with that game. Mm. There were so many things that went wrong that it, it would, the podcast is going to take long enough itself. Would be even on, even longer if we start listing the things that went wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, from minute one, from minute one, no one was up for it. It just felt like Callum said one of those games where it almost felt like we was going to lose anyway before a ball had even kicked. It was one of those ones where you're looking at it. As you say, they haven't won a game all season. It's quintessentially Brentford to go and lose to a team that haven't won all season yet. And from the minute the referee blew the whistle, it was like we'd already lost the game. And like Callum said, maybe it's dice ball or whatever it is. But it was just dreadful. It was absolutely horrendous performance. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I was, I was actually watching the game back though and... And I, I tend to be, I try to be optimistic on this podcast, especially with how reactionary some Brentford fans are after we lose. And I was watching the game back, and we we did play awfully. You're absolutely right. From from minute one to to the end of the game, it, there was a little spell when we kind of got back into it after we scored. And, you know, it's not like we didn't have chances. We had half chances kind of littered throughout the game. But I honestly feel like some of the head loss, especially like after the Everton result, I know it was bad, and it was it was our worst performance of the season. Everyone kind of said the same thing. But Callum, I, I honestly think people are being a bit too harsh. I think it was just a bad day at the office and, and nothing more, especially after how we played against Arsenal last night. What, what do you think? No, it's, it's fair enough. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I, I do feel in some ways some people are entitled to their opinion on, on obviously how, how the team, you know, they're, they're, a lot of people, you know, were quite frustrated with how, um, you know how it all went, and there was obviously, as I say, a lot of booing. And I must touch upon Matthew Benham's comment on the Griffin Park grapevine. Obviously, he's not a big fan of booing whatsoever by by the sound of things. Um, so, and it's, it's a topic that you know, I Brentford fans, I don't think like it particularly very much. But I, I think people should be allowed to voice their opinion. Yes, I'm. You know, I mean, I must admit, I've done it a few times, but obviously. It's a hard one. It is a hard one. But it was a difficult game for some people to take. I think a lot of people were expecting us to go and win that game and win yeah. it with ease. And obviously, a lot of people didn't take it particularly very well. So, uh, you know, it's a difficult one. It is a difficult one. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like um, when you kind of come out of the game and you lose in the fashion that you did and you haven't really turned up, you can get you can get a bit emotive. It can get a bit all too much, especially especially when it is Everton and it's like... You know they've not won all season, but 
I don't know. I, I just I just try and be optimistic. I just try and look at it glass half full. And I think last night showed that. Anyway, we'll get on to. I don't want to dwell on the loss too much. We'll get on to. Um, I haven't. Well, I was going to say we'll get on to. No, we did well. We did well last night. We did very well, Mike. Actually, to be fair, obviously, if you want to touch upon that a bit, we did. If, obviously, we'll probably talk about it a bit later on. But we did do very well last night. So, I have confidence for the team on on Sunday. So yeah, hopefully kick on. Hopefully kick on. Perfect. Um, I haven't actually prepped any questions uh, because. Just because I feel like this week, I think there's some topics to address, definitely after the Everton game, that don't need questions from fans per se for us to kind of explain. Um, I wasn't going to mention that the Easy article, uh, which is basically the hottest fucking topic on Brentford right now. I read some of it, skimmed <laughs> over it. Obviously, it goes without saying, like you just said, everyone is entitled to their opinion. And if that's his, fair enough. Um, I, I wouldn't sort of take too much out of a game when I just think it's a bad day at the office. I don't want to talk too much about his meltdown. I'm more interested in the replies specifically our transfer business over the last couple of seasons and something that I picked up on just looking through some of those replies. Someone put the figures up from the players that we've signed over the last couple of years, people like KLP, Christopher Ayer, Mikko Damsgaard, Onyeka, this goes on. It racks up to almost £100 million spent and I'm not being harsh by saying none of those signings have done too well at all. I mean, Christopher Ayer's barely played. King Lewis Potters looks good in patches, but obviously has that big injury. Mikkel Damsgaard looked like he might start to make a bit of an impression um, towards the end of last season, but since he's come back, he's been hampered by injury again, and in the games that he has played, he looks a bit slight. Uh, Onyeka last night, I mean, in the in the last season, there were patches where Onyeka was good. Last night, I kind of struggled to see what he offers to the team, especially when we play teams like Arsenal. Um, injuries play a part, of course they do, but what I'm getting at, chaps, and I'll let you go first, Craig, is... Have Brentford failed in terms of their transfer strategy over the last couple of years since coming up to the Premier League? I agree and disagree. It's a big question. They, they might. They, yeah, I, I agree and disagree that they might have. I, I do want to say I thought Ayer in his first season in the Premier League was a rock solid defender, and he was brilliant going forward and he was brilliant coming back. And then he had that injury, and he doesn't seem to have bounced back to the player that he was before he had that injury. Um, I'm a massive advocate of Mikael Damsgaard and I want him to do well so badly but he's got the tensile strength of a toothpick and he's just not built like a footballer um, at all I think that when you look at players like Onyeka and KLP at the moment they haven't you know they haven't lit the world on fire shall we say but unfortunately with Onyeka we've got a bit of a running joke from where we stand in the West End, that how long is it going to take before he's on the deck? Because he's just on the floor all the time, it seems. So I wouldn't say we've failed, but we, yeah, we certainly haven't done as well as we have done previously. What, what do you reckon, Callum? Because I think uh, I think once this kind, of, once someone says it, it's like it's almost like a taboo topic. Once someone says we've spent 100 million in the transfer market and basically none of those signings have lit the world on fire like you just said Craig it kind of it planted a seed because I, I, I'm all about being optimistic I planted a seed of doubt in my mind because I haven't really done the mental arithmetic about how many how much money we've actually spent and what's that equa- what that's equated to on the pitch in terms of those players specifically do you know what I mean? Mm, mm. No I mean it's, listen I actually don't think it sounds a lot of money but I actually feel like uh, you know, Onyeka, I feel, has been... He's another player who's had a few injuries in his time at the club. So, you know, and it, it does knock a player back. 
I, you know, I look at Rico Henry, for example, when he got when he got a massive injury when we were in the championship. It took him some time to come back from that. I actually think Onyeka did all right last night. Look, listen, he don't he don't start very often. Um, people would say otherwise. They could say whatever they want. I actually think Onyeka played very well last night. So you know, it is what it is. Um, but the answer to the question of has it has it been a negative kind of transfer window since we've come up to the Premier League? Nonsense. I think we've done very well as a club. Um, yes, you know these players may or may not have done as well as they possibly should have done. But you know, I think you know, I think overall we've done very, very well as a club on how we brought these players in and how they've come into the squad and how they've offered different things. Complete, you know, they, they they do bring stuff to how we play. I as a good player, I mean, you look at this season again. He's not played much. When he has played, he has offered. He has offered things to the team. Fulham away, you know, when he sets up the assist for the for the third goal. So he does offer things. Um, so uh, nonsense. I mean, we have we have we haven't. Uh, also, you've got to look at the players and the fashion we missed out on the last transfer window, where it was practically agreed to bring them in, and then they basically turn us down, like Bakayoko, for example. We had him signed, everything was ready to go, and he then turns us down and says, "I want to play in the Champions League." You can't do anything about that. So you know, listen, I, I'm not going to criticise the how the club have worked over the last few years. I think they've done a good job bringing players in. I think it's it's. I don't want to criticise the club in terms of the recruitment because they've done so well over the last few years, and I'm sure that there will be a point where players like Keen Lewis Potter and Damsgaard do get into the team and they do start proving their worth. Maybe a little less optimistic with Damsgaard because I just feel like his style of play is probably more suited to a Spanish league or or an Italian league where he came from. Um, it's like you mentioned his physicality. It just doesn't look up to scratch in the prem. But what game were you watching last night, Frank Onyeka, Callum? You're you're saying he had a good game last night. Yeah, I don't think he had a bad game at all, to be honest, you might. I was in the nice posh seats last night. I had a great bird's eye view of, of his performance last night. I think he did a good job. Yes, listen, he got out muscle on a few occasions, but he's not afraid to have a pot shot on goal. You know, sometimes it doesn't work out. He picked out some good switch passes in there. To be honest, you, I don't think he had a, a bad game. But the thing with Onyeka is he doesn't fit in personally to how we play it, it, as, a, as a team he he's everywhere he bombs upfield the problem with Onyeka is sometimes he can't get back so it opens up the midfield I think and when you've got Norgaard and when you've got Jensen when you've got Vitali in there they're much more compact Onyeka plays it's much more open he's all over the place don't have a problem with that but when we're open uh, you know it causes a few issues in there but listen he didn't have a bad game last night again People, if you want to say something about it, feel free. I'm going to Forest on Sunday. Come and speak to me. But listen, give him a chance. Give him a chance. You, you, you just you just mentioned he likes to have a pot shot from everywhere. Yeah. And then in, what is it? The 88, 85th minute, ball comes into him and he tries to volley it and he slices it out for a throw on. Listen, <laughs> you forget his volley, Craig. He had a very good he had a very good volley on goal. Simple as that. I thought he did all right this day. Look, give him some credit. Give him some credit. But, you know, he's not going to force himself into the starting team as it stands at the moment if we don't have any injuries. You know, you've got that three in there at the moment. With, as I say, Jan out with Norgard, with Jensen. They are our best three midfielders. They are compact. They offer us a lot going forward. They're defensive-minded as well. Onyek is not defensive-minded at all. So, not as scared of a challenge. But, yeah, obviously, it's going to have to take a lot to get into that team. But, but isn't that an indictment of potentially how bad we've done in the transfer window that our starting midfield 
it's the same as it was in the championship. We've still got the spine of the team that's the same as it was in the championship. And Bumo, Tony, Jensen, Norgard, Janel, Pinnock, Henry, Rursilev, they're all the same players. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm, I, and listen, I, 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 I agree with you. I'm, I'm not criticising the recruitment. I'm just saying, I'm just, tr- I'm just trying to make a good podcast, lads. Let's discuss. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, listen I, I think you, it's a good point, but you've got to say how well the player's done. You know, they've, they've got to prove a point to come up from the championship to the Premier League. I mean, Morpay mentioned it when he signed the other week for us that, you know, he's had a good scoring record in the championship. Was asked if he's going to do it in the Premier League and he said, listen, we'll have to wait and see. But the fact of the matter is they've done that well as a team. Why change it? You know, you look at the back, how defensive mind, how defensively sound we were. Great. Obviously, in the midfield, again, they offered a lot and then going forward as well, scoring goals for fun in a lot of the games. So I say, why change it? And if, of course, yes, we spent money all over the place. Yes. I mean, you know, if they're offering the players in there at the moment, scoring goals and keeping clean sheets, no point, no point changing it. No point changing it. Go on, Craig. I, I, I just Callum kind of took the words out of my mouth, to be honest. They've come up from the championship, as you said, and we're two seasons and seven games into the third one. We've scored over 100 goals in the two seasons in the Premier League. The midfield are doing their job going forward perfectly well. Jensen's creating chances. Everyone has a little dig at him every now and then. But at the end of the day, he's one of our most, if not the most, creative player on the pitch. And he will continue to create chances. He did it in the Championship. He'll do it in the Prem. Norgard did it in the Championship. He's doing it in the Prem. And the same for Vita. Across the pitch, actually. I mean, Rico Henry was the best player in the Championship. One of and he's probably the best left back in the Premier League. Don't care about any Scottish left back or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, no, good points made. I think um, I think when people listen to this, and hopefully some of the some of the people that are a little bit annoyed at the uh, transfer strategy will listen and maybe think give their head a wobble. And it is testament to how well those Championship players have done in the Premier League. I think I think you bang on there. To be fair. Um, we'll we'll go on to we're going to do the hot topic. I thought we might not, but we are. Uh, for those who don't know, hot topic is a new segment on the podcast. We're trialing um, where we talk about the biggest story in football from the week and offer our opinions on them. So this week's topic is Chelsea. Um, obviously, they won their Carabao Cup game last night, first win in I believe four games, maybe not. Um, discuss Chelsea. What Callum? What is going on at Chelsea? And how long do you give the manager? It, are we are we trusting that these owners are gonna are gonna believe in Poch? They're gonna stay with him if the results don't turn around. What do you think? Um, I can't see him sticking with the manager. To be honest with you, I think it starts from the top. I I personally feel with how his business of basically bringing in these players on eight year contracts is is ridiculous. Really, to be honest with you, and just spending money left, right, and centre, not really having a clue on who to to kind of go and get. I can see, to be honest with you, him, them coming in for Tony. Um, I had this conversation with someone last night, funny enough, actually, and they they said, oh, would Tony go to, if he leaves, Arsenal or Chelsea? And I said, to be honest with you, I can see him go to Chelsea because money, they're going to offer more money at the end of the day, Chelsea. They've got a pocket, you know, billions and billions of pounds. So it starts from the top. I wouldn't blame Poch. I wouldn't blame him at all. I don't think he's, I, I think, He's gone into a club with so much pressure at the moment. What's been left over from Abramovich, I feel, actually, with what happened in the manner it did with how he had to sell the club. And I just don't think they've ever recovered from that. 
simply haven't recovered from that. Um, and I don't think it's going it's to take a long, long time before they simply recover from what happened there. And it was a massive knock-on effect. Um, so good result for them last night, of course, beating a very good Brighton team. Um, but yes, behind the scenes is the biggest problem, I think. You know, they've got to got to try and sort that out. And, and then hopefully, maybe for them, hopefully results will, will happen for them. But, you know, that that's where I think the problem is. And obviously, will they give Poch time? You know, I'd like to think so, but who knows? Who knows in football? Who knows? He could be gone tomorrow yeah. before we know it. It's... Lloyd, he's gone. What, what do you reckon, Craig? I think that if we look at Chelsea as a whole, there'll be people out there who are kind of enjoying the demise of Chelsea. Um, I may be one of those people as well that's enjoying it and seeing their, them try and throw money at the sport and it not work out for them it brings me a lot of joy <laughs> um, throwing money at players like Mikhailo Modric who we're trying to sign for 25 million and then they're signing him for, for 85 million or whatever it was the next summer it's just stupid throwing money extortionate money at players that aren't really Premier League quality is just in, incredibly insane to myself, and 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 Callum thinks maybe Poch might be gone tomorrow. Things like that. I think they'll give him time. You got a look at what he did. Although he didn't have much silverware success at Spurs, what he did with that squad, getting them to the Champions League final, he's very clearly a man who knows what he's doing, what he did at PSG, and and things. He very clearly knows what he's doing, and I think if they give him time. Won't be this season. Love to see him go down, but they won't. But it won't be this season that they do anything. I just think they need to give him time still. Yeah, I, I don't think the problem was with Poch at all. I think, you know, the fact that he got Spurs to the Champions League final, as you just mentioned. The, the two things that I think are at, at play here is, one, Chelsea aren't used to not winning things. And their fan base will just go into meltdown mode as soon as as soon as they as soon as they don't win anything, which they have been in the, for the last for the last year and a half. They've been in complete meltdown. They're the most successful club in the last in the last two decades in England. So they've got already they've got fans when their expectations are sky high. And second of all, Poch is ex he's ex Spurs. For me, it just it, it's, if there's a if there's a run and they don't beat um, whoever they're playing, if they don't beat Fulham on Monday night and they go on a run and they don't win these games in the Premier League, I think I think he's as good as gone. It, it will take it will take a second for those fans to switch and say. He's, 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 why, why is there a Spurs gaffer in charge of Chelsea? They, they cannot stand Spurs, and Tottenham fans love Poch. And it's just like I just, I just think it's a, it's a, it's ready to explode at any point. And I think if they don't turn it around with the next couple of games, I think it'll be gone. I think they've already, they've already started turning in some ways. If you heard them at Bournemouth uh, last week, I think it was in that nil-nil draw. You know, Bournemouth not got off to the best of starts this year. Chelsea, you know going there with the squad they have and I don't think they offer particularly very much from the game their fans massively turned on the team after that um, so you know for them I think it was good they bought, they won last night gives the manager a bit more time but you know there's some big games coming up including us so you know as as you touch upon Mike you know if, if they don't pick up some results in the next few games you know we might even go there again and win 4-1 and we may send him out the door so that would be nice wouldn't it but we'll have that to wait be, so. that would be a good send off nice. Yeah, no. for us to go and lose there, though, wouldn't it? After all, <laughs> uh, well, definitely. Hopefully not. not. Hopefully not. I'm, I'm with you, Craig. I'm definitely one of those people that are 
uh, reveling in the, in the Chelsea despair. Anyway, we'll get on. Actually, before we get into Arsenal, Craig. So the reason Craig's on this podcast is he said that he had a hot take to to bring me, and we have um we have been looking for some new people to come on the podcast. Um, he sent me the hot take. Uh, it is a hot take. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll tell you that much. I'll let you I'll let you take it away, Craig. I'll let you have the floor. Well, I feel a bit of pressure on me now. <laughs> so uh, this is a hot take, and it's kind of one of the ones that's centered around the group of us that go to Brentford together down the front towards the West End. And it's the novelty or the nostalgia of being in the Premier League is already wearing off, if not worn off, for a lot of fans. We're seeing lower away attendances. We're seeing more, shall we say, tourists in in the G-Tech. And as if to prove my point today, Forrest have announced that 800 extra tickets have been returned when apparently we've sold out. So there's lower attendances. There's... Brentford consistently posting that picture of the Arsenal fan in the East Stand <laughs> in an Arsenal shirt. And then there's pictures now floating around of, of Everton fans in the South Stand, scarf on, shirt on, everything. It's just, we're kind of becoming so loose with, with a fan base that we're just allowing anyone that wants to buy a ticket into the GTEC wherever they want to go. I don't I think- want it to be the case, but I feel like it's happening. I think it's a it's a tricky one because obviously we've talked about kind of ambition on the podcast before and and where you go after getting close to Europe. What happens to a Premier League club like Palace, for example? Their fans are kind of in this limbo state where they know they're probably not going to get relegated. They're probably not going to be pushing for Europe. But Palace are a bigger club than us, so it's like we've got we've got probably I don't know how many seasons to get as we have, but we've got twelve thousand fans that used to go to Griffin Park every week, week in week out. We've got 12,000 fans that do that. In the GTEC, we've got another 4,500 on the capacity. At what point do the 12,000 keep going, but then we, we don't have enough to go to the away games because we are we are slipping towards mid-table medi- mediocrity. Do you see what I mean, Callum? It's, 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 it's going to be interesting to see over the next couple of seasons whether we kind of mount on this European charge that we had last season or whether we get into a relegation dogfight. It kind of feels like there's going to have to yeah, be something no, absolutely. on the line I mean, for you us know, to be taking 2,000 uh, to Forest on a you know, Sunday I feel or taking 3,000 to... A lot of the fans um, you know, will stay with the team. I think we got to look at, to be honest with you, um, you know, we are in a bit of a uh, crisis, a lot of people with money at the moment. You know, I th- and there's a lot of games we've, we've played of late now. Uh, that may be the reason why attendances have dropped away. I think you you mentioned Nottingham Forest. Now, if I'm saying something there, where are those extra tickets? Uh, I don't know what's happened there. Now, for me, originally, I didn't buy a ticket. And then, of course, it was sold out. Now, someone has either not said something in the ticket office. And then, obviously, you know, people have had to buy from elsewhere or something. I don't know. But if it is true, 800 tickets have been returned. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's an awful lot of money. That's an awful lot of tickets to return. Um, but now I think, listen, you know, we're, support is going to go up and down. I think people, you know, maybe if we were treated to some, you know, I don't, we, we, I didn't think we were going to finish as high as last season. Let's be honest. Like two points off of European football, an expectation completely, you know, it flies up after that, you know. Fans are expecting us to do as well. And, um, you know, for me this season, I'm happy just to consolidate where we are. You know, I don't think we're going to do as well, personally, but to do as well as possible, I think that'd be great. But it's, it's hard because you look at the, uh, you know, you look at it and you say, well, uh, you know, last night, yes, we didn't sell out. But 
I think it says it all about the League Cup, personally, to be honest with you. I don't think people, you know, support the League Cup as much as... And again, it's more money to spend. So, you know, it's, it's a hard one. But against Chelsea last year, though, when we played them in the League Cup at home. What was that? Sold out against Chelsea last season in the league. Yeah, but a similar similar thing happened where it was, or, the, or the, it was the year before where we had it's again six six per member, I think, or something like that. To be honest with you, um, so look, you know, it's but fans will still continue supporting the club, you know, and 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 I hope attendances over the the, the remaining of the season away from home. We, we sell out. I thought we did very well. Mike, you might disagree with me on this because I know you touched upon it at Newcastle, but I thought our support was very good at Newcastle, all considering. Um, I mean, I know you're expecting, th- I know you're expecting 3,000, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, considering, considering, considering um, it was last minute dot com with how everything was arranged, I think, I think we sold over 12, 1300 and yeah, I think that was pretty good. Um, but look, you know, we'll keep supporting the club. We'll be there. We'll be there. We'll be there. We'll we'll we'll, we'll do well this season. We'll do well this season. And this right. that was not to say that I don't love being in the Premier League. I love the football club. I love where we are, and I love where we're going. And I think that we could get to European football one day. Fingers crossed. It's just you see a you we're seeing a change in fans that are coming down to Brentford nowadays. I mean, yeah, I'll still I, be there. Moment away. I'll but still the, the fact of the matter, this is what the club did in the summer, obviously, to go off to the to the to the Premier League series in America. Obviously, they are, they want to increase this fan base. You know, you, you look on the website now; they have these international fan bases that they actively promote. So, you know, I completely agree that you are seeing a change of, um, you know, fan that that uh, you know is down at the GTEC. But I think, Craig, you know, you're looking at when we were at League One, Championship League One, when realistically we didn't have very much. Stuff. I think we had the Irish Bees and that was about it. So, you know, it's. I think, look, in some ways it's good. If they're going to bring good stuff to the club and they're going to promote us even more as a club, I think it's great. I think it's great. If they're going to buy into the club, great. If you're going to have someone there wearing an Arsenal shirt, then fair enough. No, I don't agree with that. That's, 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 that's nonsense in my opinion. But if they're going to bring something to the club, then why not? Why not? I think it's. I say, uh, I'll be there. I'm in a anyway. <laughs> it's it's a good point, isn't it, Craig? I think it's it's like um, I don't think the novelty of the Premier League is worn off. Like I'm still going. I'm still looking at the calendar, and I'm thinking I'm, I don't want to miss a single game on this calendar. Um, I I, like, I literally say to my missus who started coming to the games with me, I always say, "No, nah, you don't want to miss that one. It's a really good one." And she's like, "You say that about every game," and I did not used to say that about every game in the Championship. Um, that that's definitely for sure. So I don't think the novelty's worn off, but you you do you do raise a good point about how you know if we kind of slip in towards that mid-table mediocrity, where where do we kind of go? So you kind of need some sort of stake. The, the stakes need to be raised if you want to kind of inspire that passion that you get when you're in a when you're in a title race or when you're in the European race or when you're in a relegation battle. So it's definitely something it's definitely something to think about. Uh, we'll go on to Arsenal, um, Craig. First of all, initial takeaways coming out of the GTEC last night. My initial take is the result was secondary to the outcome of the match. The performance was the thing that needed to be better than the weekend. Yeah. And as Thomas Frank touched on, it was so much better than, than Saturday. So I'm, I'm very happy with the performance that we put in. Obviously disappointed that we haven't gone through to the next round. But ultimately, we performed well and we should have got something out of it. Callum? 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, you look at Ramsdale celebrating that bloody save like it, you know, it, it meant so much to him. Like, you know, we, we put in a blooming good performance yesterday. Um, I'm, I've, we gave a very, very good Arsenal team a go um, and we should have at least got to penalties with it. So now full credit to the team. I, you know, I've always said with Brentford, I actually don't think other than that year when we made it to the semi-finals in COVID, that they take this competition very seriously. You look at last season, for example, with Gillingham, how we played and got knocked out. Um, but he threw everything at it yesterday and we just came short. So great performance, gutted to go out, but at least it saves us going to West Ham because to be honest with you, I wouldn't have gone as an absolute shithole. So, you know, but... Um... <laughs> We would all one season we'd love a cup run and that Wembley trip you would love to do it just once, wouldn't you? For no, it's the FA Cup, Craig. You know, I want to be playing teams that made it all the way from the qualifying rounds through to the third round. Look, FA Cup is where it is for me. You know, it, it means I think it means a lot more to the supporters than the League Cup. And you get a lot more money for winning it as well. Of course, look, I'm throwing it out there. I don't know. Look, I don't know. We we might, you know, we haven't got. I, we might have a chance of winning the FA Cup. We're still in it, obviously, in January. So let's give it a crack. Let's give it a crack. But listen, we gave it a good go last night. Disappointed to lose, but the big positive for me, I haven't heard anything at the moment. No injuries from the game. Obviously, he, put, he played his first team. Obviously, we don't want him on our injuries. Um, and everyone seemed to get through unscathed, so good all round. Yeah, good all round. I was thought you were going to start that Ramsdale uh, celebrated like he won the FA Cup. I thought you were going to be Russell Slade. I thought. Well, to be fair, <laughs> honestly, absolute nonsense from him. Honestly, that's the last game he's going to play before they play in the next round of the cup. He's just been dropped by Arsenal, and he's given it all that. <laughs> Listen, like David Ray has gone out there recently, and he's literally been like, "Look, I'm a better goalkeeper than you." And he comes out with all that nonsense. Like he's not going to be number one. <laughs> Simple as that. Like, I've, got go, I've got to go the other way. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I think it's good. Of Aaron uh, nonsense. Aaron Absolute not. Let, let him do it. Let him do it, in my opinion, because he's going to be sitting on that bench, clapping his hands like he was doing on Sunday. So get back on that bench, Ramsdale. Simple as that, mate. Thank you very it much. It riles the fans up. It, it actually, the way that he behaves builds atmosphere in the ground. It, it gets home fans riled up. And when he does it at, at the Emirates, it gets the away fans riled up. It gets the atmosphere going. What he's doing, although it's a bit of a dickhead move, it, it really builds the atmosphere within the within the stadiums. He does it when no one's paying attention, Craig. The ball's in the other direction. <laughs> when people see it. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the goalkeeper equivalent of when James Madison moves the ball outside of the D for a corner. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I like it. I, I thought it was funny. Any, anyway, speak, speaking of, speaking of goalkeepers, um, we should talk about Flecken's distribution in that first half because I heard a lot of groans. Um, but I've actually got a take on this. Is it, first of all, it's always going to be a downgrade on Raya. Where, wherever we go from from a keeper, what, whoever we're going to bring in, he's never going to be as good as Raya. Um, in terms of his shot stopping, I don't think he's been. I don't think he's been that bad at all. But last night, I, I noticed there was like a, a, a marked kind of gap in quality in terms of Reyes' distribution and Flecken's distribution last night. But what I will say is that when we set up in that midfield with uh, Norgard, Yanel, and Onyeka, there's no one coming short for him. There's no Jensen in the team who's going to take the ball in in tight spaces. So and he's also got two midgets up front in in Embrumo and Wissa. So it's, it's it's so difficult, and I and I, see, I hear people getting on his back, and I'm just thinking, what 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 else? Where else is he supposed to go? 
and and also the difference between Raya and Flecken gets is is markedly different when there's no Tony up front. Where if you ping it to him in in an area of space, Tony will get on the end of it and he'll flick it on him for a boomer. When they when we've not got that, obviously he's going to look worse. So people kicking off about Flecken, I just think just give the geezer a fucking break. Like he's not he's not done too bad. Like it's fair enough in Newcastle, he had a bit of a stinker, but you know Reyes had plenty of stinkers playing for Brentford. What would you what do you boys think, Callum? We'll go go you first. Have you calmed down yet? Have you have you calmed down? I've yet? calmed down. I've I've calmed down. I've calmed down. Right now, listen. To be honest with you, yes, I do agree with you. We are, you know, we're expecting a lot from Fleck and after David Raya, but and you do touch upon David Raya did make a lot of mistakes for you know, for us over the years that he, you know, he was with us. I think Flecker did very well last night. His distribution was good. He made some very good saves, especially with uh, Emil Smith-Rowe. Um, I look at that one. Eddie Nketiah in the second half as well. I think he he, he pulled up a very good save there. Um, but he has cost us a lot this season. We you know, we can't forget that. You know, Crystal Palace, that's, 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 that's won the game. Newcastle, he's cost us there. But look, he did do very well last night. So, look, I just want him to kick on from that. Get some more performances in like that. Yes, you do. Mike, I think you're spot on. I think he's a very good shot stopper, but he's not very good when Arsenal didn't do this yesterday, when they had a lot of set pieces, getting in and around him, you know, putting him under pressure, because that's his weakness, I think we've seen. So, um, let's hope he can improve. Look, Forrest is not going to be an easy game on Sunday. Hostile atmosphere. I want him to go and have a good game on Sunday in front of the cameras and go and show us what he could do again. So, look, let's see what happens. But he has cost us a few times already this season. Craig, what are you, what, you want to weigh in? Yeah, Raya was arguably the best goalkeeper that we've ever had. And he grew into that. He grew into that. I mean, all right, maybe he doesn't have... Stuart much. Nelson, mate, listen. There you go. He doesn't have much of Stuart Nelson or Paul Smith or Ben Hamer and things like that. But he's arguably the best goalkeeper distribution-wise and things like that we've ever had wear the Brentford shirt. I think that I think Mike, you're right, people are getting on Flecken's back a bit too early as well. Um I when I when I back in my day when I played football as well, I was a goalkeeper. Um and I feel like sometimes it's a bit harsh to say that he has cost us. The Newcastle situation it's if we if we're going by a letter of the law is an inevitable collision, which means it shouldn't have been a penalty. So, shouldn't have even got there either because Hickey, Hickey shouldn't have dicked around with it at the back. Exactly. So he's been put in a shit situation by Hickey there because he's messed around with the ball. It's an inevitable collision, which means by the letter of the law, shouldn't have been a penalty. Crystal Palace, you, you, I'm, I'm assuming you're referring to the volley that came in from the edge of the box. I just happened to be in the concourse when that one went in. I'm watching it on the cameras. Personally, don't think there's anything you could have done about it. There's, there's, there's situations. Where Crystal they... Palace was the one where it went through his, his went through his legs. Anderson. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Craig, the, you know, There's you know where. About, I don't know which one you're talking about. <laughs> oh, you're talking about you're talking about yes. Spurs on yes. the first game of the season. Yeah, okay. No. I think I think when we look at Palace, that was Collins as well, wasn't it? Him and Collins. It was Collins. A bit mixed up between themselves. The thing is, there are ten other players that the football's got to go through before it gets to the goalkeeper. The only problem is when a goalkeeper does make a mistake, the goal's behind him. Yeah. So maybe we shift the blame to 10 other people before we start blaming the goalkeeper first. You can tell he's an ex-goalkeeper, can't you? <laughs> all, all I'm going to say is it took Raya time 
to get to where he was when he left us. Give Flecken time, and he'll get to where not to where Raya was, but he'll get to get to where we feel we're comfortable with him as a goalkeeper. Yeah, I think uh, judging him too early. But I'd like to see how him and Tony, if Tony ever plays for us again, that is, I'd like to see how him and him and Tony build a relationship in the same way that David Raya and Tony would just had like some sort of telepathic third te- sixth sense. Yeah, yeah, telepathic. Anyway, we're 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 going on, but no, Flecken talk is good because Flecken is a hot topic with Brentford. I see this split opinion all over, um, especially with uh, the head loss brigade, which I think Callum might be one of. But anyway, mo- moving on, moving swiftly on. I'm that's rubbish. That's nonsense. Nonsense. <laughs> I'm only joking, mate. Um, we've kind of, we've kind of touched on it. Are uh, how how are we feeling going into Forest, Callum? We'll go we'll go with uh, you. I'm not looking forward to it, to be honest with you. Um, I'm I I just feel it's one of those games again where we really you know we picked up a good result. We actually picked up two good results there last year. We were unlucky at um, obviously how they scored in the 90th minute at their place. But obviously we went and replicated that, but us scoring at home and obviously winning 2-1. Um, but it's a hard place to go and play football. The fans are on top of you. It's a very good atmosphere, a very hostile atmosphere at the city ground. Um, I really am not looking forward to Sunday, to be honest with you. I, I, I You look at the players they've got. Callum Hodson-Odoi, I think, you know, I touched upon this before, a player that I think we could have possibly have signed with. But the money they paid, um, he's showing his quality at the moment. They've got some very good other players in there proving their worth at the moment. So, And Steve Cooper as well. And if you look at it today, uh, with obviously us returning those tickets, you look at the Nottingham Forest fans as well. You know, look, they're up for this. They don't like us very much, do they? Um, so, look, it's it's going to be a hard game. It's going to be a hard game. I, I, I think we're going to come off it on the wrong side. I would take another draw, to be honest with you. Negative, but I would take a draw. It's a hard place to go and play football. Um, so, But, look, it's going to be a hard game. Hopefully, we can get something from it. But, again, we're going to have to wait and see. I'd say one all draw, personally, in my opinion. Craig, what are you thinking? I, I don't think there's anything to add to what Callum's already said. It's a difficult place to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is arguably one of the better atmospheres in the Premier League. Their fans know how to get behind the team. But if we can get on top... They also know how to get on top of their team. We've been there when we've won 3 1, 3 0, 3 2, and their fans very quickly turn on themselves as well. So if we can get on top, which unfortunately I don't see happening, then it could turn the tide of the fans in our favour. But like Callum said, I'm more than happy for a point. Go there, don't lose, come back to the G Tech and start again. Perfect. I think that would be a good place to round off the podcast traps. The Elamore podcast will be back next week to discuss that big match against Forest on Sunday and also look ahead to United the following week. Remember, folks, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, please do go and subscribe to our Spotify and YouTube channels, leave a rating and also go follow us on our socials. That's at Pod on Instagram and at the Road on Twitter. Callum, Craig, it's been a pleasure and we'll see you next week. See you Podcast Network.